Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, God said it's not good for a man to be alone. And then Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, let us not give up gathering together and the importance of it as we gather together to exhort and build each other up. Lord, this morning, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts. And God, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit that would drive home the truths that we need to take with us as we begin the rest of our day. Amen. I got a gift for you. Oh, my. My granddaddy used it on the Southern Pacific. I'm always going to keep this on Memphis time. I love you. I love you, too. I'll be right back. Hey, is all this turbulence from Santa and those eight tiny reindeer? Better buckle up, Chuck. It's going to get bumpy. think that I am right here. 400 miles squared. That's a search area of 500,000 square miles. That's twice the size of Texas. From the Academy Award-winning director of Forrest Gump. We live and we die by time, don't we? Tom Hanks. You'll never match. Any chance, will you? At the edge of the world. (laughs) The end of a man's journey will become the beginning of his life. I would rather take my chance out there on the ocean than to stay here and die. You were lost for four years. We had a funeral, coffin. What was in it? Now, I've never seen the movie Castaway, but I have read what the movie is about. Chuck Nolan, played by Tom Hanks, he was a very busy man. He was a time-obsessed systems analyzer. And he really didn't have a lot of time for relationships. So the Christmas one year was interrupted by a call to go to Malaysia to solve a problem. His plane crashes in a violent storm, and he survives. He ends up on an island, and to his great dismay, he is the only one on the island. And for the next four years, he lives alone. And it got so bad that one day, as he was trying to start a fire, and he cut his hand, he used his own blood to draw a face on a volleyball. And he named that volleyball Wilson, and he began talking to it. 
If you can call that his companion, that's what it was for the next four years. He almost went crazy. He desperately needed to get to civilization. He needed to connect with people, living, breathing people. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. It has never been. Adam needed Eve, and we this morning need each other. It was 1978 and 1979, those two summers that I worked in Marathon, Ontario, northern Ontario, in a pulp and paper mill woodyard. And one of the jobs I had was I worked in a button shack. And that was just like a little outhouse where you sat in there and you watched softwood travel past you on its way to the mill. And if the mill shut down, it was your job to press stop. And it was your job to press go. Very, very simple. Stop and go. You couldn't fall asleep or there was a pile up and then you're in trouble. All by myself, many times I worked double shifts to get extra money to go to college in the fall. But if the shift boss came by, I, would, I didn't want to see him go. All by myself in a button shack. And then I moved to another job, and that was I was at the transfer stations where one where the pulp wood would travel this way and change to another direction. And at the place where it intersected, lots of bark would fall off, and there was lots of water. And I would stand under there sometimes for... 16 hours, I had a raincoat on and a shovel and a rain hat, and I would shovel that bark out of the way because it would pile up. And then after that, I'd go to the bunkhouse where I had my single room all by myself. It was lonely. One guy said to me, he said, after a while, you begin talking to yourself. He said, that's okay, but if you start responding to yourself, you may be in trouble. So after eight weeks in this small little town of about 2,000 people, I went to Toronto, bought a car, and drove back to Nova Scotia one year. But I remember getting to Toronto. I was ready to hug a stranger. I was ready to hug a burglar. Because I just wanted to interact with people. I hadn't shaved in two months. hadn't cut my hair in two months. Went home, and my mother said, Who's that? Walked through the door. Marla Paul, writer for the Chicago Tribune, many years ago, she wrote a risky very transparent column. She revealed this. She says, I am lonely. And she revealed her frustration and her sadness that came with it. And she expected very little response. But to her amazement, people began to respond, you as well as me, I also am very lonely. Someone else responded by saying, I've often felt that I'm standing outside looking through a window of a party to which I was not invited to. Someone else said, I have this fear of becoming a very lonely old widow sitting around listening to the clock tick and the fear is paralyzing me. This lady went on to say that she has no community. She has no family. She has no friendships. She has no small group. She has no church community that she's a part of. And she feels that she's going to die all alone. It was in the summer of 1995 that a heat wave hit Chicago. Many died. Forty-one of those that died were buried in a mass grave called the Potter's Field. And the sad fact is that no one came to claim their bodies or to grieve their death. They died alone. 
Marla Paul ended her column about loneliness this way. She said, sometimes it seems easier to just give up and accept disconnectedness as a dark and unshakable companion. But she said, that's not the companion that I want. And so she said, I'm going to persevere. And so she said, I'm going to forge on. I'm going to try to build community. Mother Teresa said these words, loneliness is the leprosy of modern society and nobody wants anyone to know they're a leper. Now, it's true, isn't it, that nobody wants to admit that they're lonely. It's kind of an embarrassing fact to say to someone, I get lonely. It's risky to reveal that part of you of what you're feeling. You feel like they may think I'm a misfit. You might say, well, if I tell someone I'm lonely, they'll think something's wrong with me. And maybe there is something wrong with me. And you just don't want to get out there. You don't want to reveal that to too many people, that you're lonely. But the fact is, many of us are lonely. Many of us struggle with loneliness and we're so hesitant to talk about it. It was in 1978 that I remember going to Bible College in Peterborough, Ontario for the first time. It was the fall of the year. And I remember distinctly, it was a long time ago, but I still remember the evening when the, co- the college students were there. And they said, Let's have, we're going to have a planned bonfire and we're inviting everyone to gather around the bonfire for fellowship. Now, I was a shy person, just getting out of Nova Scotia, going to Peterborough. And I remember going to that bonfire fellowship. And I remember feeling lonely. I remember it feeling like I was just looking in. I was craving for fellowship. But because I was shy, it was difficult for me just to launch out there and say, Hi, I'm Gary. What do you think of me so far? That's just that wasn't my personality. But I remember in such, I'm, so, I'm craving for fellowship and everybody's mingling together and second years are talking to third years and other second years and, and saying, how was your summer? And here I was standing there craving and I remember thinking, I just want to go home to mommy. I just want to go back to good old Charles, Nova Scotia. But I said, I'm going to persevere. I remember feeling that way, but I said, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to do my best. Community. I needed community. Everyone needs community. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and to meet someone and you said, I'll meet you there at 12 noon? Your greatest fear is that you'll get there first. You just hope and pray that you'll get there second. But if you get there first and you get, you say to the waiter there, I'm table for two or three or four, and you're the first one there, so they sit you down. And you're seated at this table. And what do you feel? You feel very uncomfortable. Now, I'm going to tell you why you feel uncomfortable. If you're like me, number one, and I've done this and been there and probably will do it again. The reason why I felt uncomfortable and the reason why you feel uncomfortable is, number one, you didn't like to be alone. And the table is a place where fellowship happens. And so you're seated at this table, there's three other chairs or four, and you're all by yourself, and the table is where fellowship happens, number one. And secondly, you wondered what it looked like to other people, didn't you? I know you did. 
That's the way I felt. And so you feel restless. You're sitting there and nobody else around you. And so what do you do if you're a man? You pull out your wallet and you begin to rifle through the pages. You begin to pull out cards you haven't pulled out in five, ten years. Still in there. Oh, that's an old picture of me. And you begin to look through there, but you're really not interested in the wallet. If you're a lady, you pull out your purse. Everything's in there, but the kitchen sink, including the kitchen sink. And you go rifling through it, but you're not interested in what's in there. You're wondering in the back of your mind, where's my party? Where are the people that are supposed to meet me? It's 10 minutes later, and they're not here. But when they arrive, you light up like a light bulb, don't you? And you want everyone in the restaurant to see, I have friends. Yes, I wasn't stood up. They were just late. You light up. Why? Because you want fellowship. You need to connect. Watch this one time in my second church. I, congregational member, I said, let's meet at this particular restaurant for coffee in the evening. Well, I got there and he wasn't there. I waited a long, long time. I sat there for a long time and, you know, went through the whole thing. All alone, there's a table and went through my wallet, went through everything. But I wasn't really concerned about what was in there anyways. But where is he? Little did I know, he was sitting at another restaurant waiting for me. We had a miscommunication. A week later, we talked about it. For a whole week, he probably thought awful things about me. I stood him up, and for a whole week, I thought awful things about him. He stood me up. Everyone needs community. My sister visited here this past August, and when she was here, she shared with us a story an experience that she had in a church that she visited. She said she came in. It wasn't a big church, but she came in and nobody acknowledged her. Came through the front doors, the foyer, nobody spoke to her. She sat down in the pew, nobody spoke to her. In fact, there were little friendship groups taking place all around. Nobody spoke to her. In fact, she had to move her legs to the side so someone could get by so they could have fellowship with somebody else. People are fellowshipping over her, but nobody spoke to her. Now, being a pastor, I was getting irritated. Because that's not what any pastor wants his church to be like. So my sister said, I just politely got up, walked past the people, and walked out the door. My sister was looking for community. And that stirred me when she told me that. That bothered me when she told me that. And then it motivated me. That let's be a church that knows how to welcome people. Do I pastor the perfect church? No. Do we have our faults and our flaws? Yes. But if there's one thing that I believe and I preach, it's that people are our purpose. You've heard me say that over and over again. And if you're a guest here this morning or a visitor, we want you to know that this is one of our passions. One thing that we believe people are our purpose. If there's one passion that I have, it's that Calvary Temple not only strive to be a good host to the Holy Ghost. And we pray for the presence of God. Open up ourselves and God, come on in. Like we prayed this morning, let your Holy Spirit come down. Impact, empower, and transform. Not only... Do we need to be good hosts to the Holy Ghost? But we need to be good hosts to other people. Amen? We need to be good hosts to other people. We need to welcome new people. We need to embrace new people. 
We need to be excited about seeing new faces. If there's one thing that we encourage is we want to embrace and welcome, love and accept all people. Jesus died for the world. Why? Because God so loved the world that he sent his son and his son loved the world. He said, I'll go all the way to the cross and suffer and bleed and die for their sins because I love them. Everybody needs community. And as a church, let's make sure that we go out of our way to make everyone feel right at home in our church because everybody needs community. Community begins with a big smile and a friendly word coming through the foyer of a church. Community begins with coffee in the foyer. Like I had a good shot this morning of the coffee. Little adrenaline rush. Community begins with greeting time during the service like we had this morning already. Community begins with fellowship opportunity times that we plan throughout the year. People want to be a part of a church where they can begin relationships. That's what draws people to a church. Are they friendly? Do they want me? Do they love me? Will they embrace me? Will they accept me? And may they always sense and feel that when they come to the doors of our church. And I want to say to our church this morning that you're doing it. We're connecting with people and we're building community. And because of our care and concern and compassion for people, God is doing miraculous things amongst us. So I want to say to you, don't relax. Keep welcoming, keep embracing, keep accepting. People not only need to experience the Lord and forgiveness, but people also need you to be Jesus with skin on. Now I want to speak to you that are here this morning that you're feeling lonely. You're feeling disconnected. And you might be here as a guest, as a visitor, or maybe you've been here for 10 years, but you still feel lonely. You still feel disconnected. As spiritual and as heavenly and holy as Jesus was, Jesus, as he walked the face of this earth, Jesus needed community. You read through the Bible and I discovered, you'll discover that after Jesus came out of the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights of being tempted, what did he do? The first thing he did was he began to pick some companions. He began to pick some followers. He began to pick, select people and say, will you join me in the ministry? Will you be with me as I travel from place to place? We can talk together. Jesus needed community. Come and follow me. And they did. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said to his disciples when they were sleeping instead of praying, he said, couldn't you stand with me? Could you not support me? Could you not be with me at this difficult, crucial hour of my life? Yes, he needed support. Yes, Jesus needed community. The 12 disciples, they needed each other. The 70 called ones, they needed each other. The apostle Paul had his associates and his church congregations to fellowship with. He needed companionship. The 120 in the upper room, can you imagine how, how marvelous it must have been as they gathered and prayed and supported and cared for each other and called upon the Lord together? 
They needed each other. They needed the support and the Holy Spirit of God came down. Remember the words of Moses. Moses' wise father-in-law came to Moses and he said to him, what you're doing is not too smart. What Moses was doing was listening to people's problems all by himself. And his father-in-law came to him and said, you've got to be smarter. You've got to get a team together. You've got to get some associates. Don't go this alone. It's not good. You've got to connect. Besides that, he said, you're making my daughter upset. You're bringing all your problems home and dumping them on her. Paraphrasing for a moment, a little liberty there. And so Moses said, well, that sounds pretty good. I'll get some help. And so he got some help. Moses listened. His wife was probably happier as well. Exodus chapter 18 and verse 18, we read about that story. See, Joshua had his team of marchers. Oh, Joshua had his singers. Joshua had his musicians and his shouters as they marched around the Jericho wall. Don't you know that must have encouraged him? That must have built him up? On and on throughout the Bible, we read about community. That we just need to connect. It is not good, God said, for man to be alone. You've got to have someone that you can team up with. I don't even like going on roller coasters alone. I don't care how big it is or how scary it is. It is just no fun unless there's somebody else with me to shout with, to laugh with, to pull G's with, and to fear death with. In 1978, when I had that lonely spell, that lonely feeling, going to Bible college for my first time, first time away from Toronto, Nova Scotia, the Down East boy, I decided, well, I'll go to Toronto all by myself. Got in my little car and drove to Toronto. Walked Young Street by myself. I remember it distinctly. Saw a, a movie being played, the Pink Panther movie. I don't know which one it was, but I thought, well, I heard they're funny. I need some encouragement. I'm lonely. I'll go in there and I'll have some laughs. I went in there, didn't laugh once. Now, you know how funny they are, those movies. I didn't laugh once. In fact, I laughed halfway through. Why? There's nobody to laugh with. 1992, when I went to the first pastor school in Phoenix, Arizona, I remember feeling that loneliness, getting on the plane all by myself, traveling all the way down there. I don't get out much, so when I do get out, it's new for me. It's a different feeling. I remember landing in Phoenix, and I'd never been to Phoenix before. Get a hotel all by myself. And it wasn't until I met three Texans that I felt that void was filled. Probably 6,000 people at that pastor's school. Just a crowd. But until someone could be singled out, or three of them singled out, that we could meet. And we said, we'll meet every time. Every time there's a session, we're going to meet in the first balcony up on the right-hand side. And we did that for the next three days. So we supported each other. They shared with me their lives. And after that, we prayed together. We went up on the mountaintop together. We were anointed with oil together. We held hands together and we prayed and we were transformed together. Nobody wants to go the journey all by themselves. We all need community. The Bible often speaks about 
community and the power that's associated with community. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 is found throughout the book of Acts. The word together, I'll mention a few. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 says they met together. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 says they joined together. Acts 2 verse 44 says all believers were together. Acts 2 46 says they continued to meet together. Acts 4 verse 24, they raised their voices together in prayer. Acts 5 verse 12, all the believers met together. Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, the 12 gathered disciples together. Acts 20 verse 7, on the first day of the week they came together. That's a lot, that's a lot of togetherness. That's a lot of community. Now let me tell you the power of that. As they gathered, as they prayed, as they supported, as they called upon God, the church multiplied and grew and exploded despite persecution. Here's the power of community. It'll get you through the rough times. It'll get you through the rough seasons. If nobody's there, if you're out there all by yourself during difficult times, you're going to sink. You're going to go under. But when you have support, the power of community is you can get through. One can link arms with the other. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. Where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. Two or three. Doesn't take many. But as two or three gather together, Jesus says, I'll be there. And when I'm present in the services, when I'm present in the gatherings, supernatural things can take place. The power of community. Paul said in Romans chapter 15 and verse 32, I want to come and see you so bad. I want to come. Why? So together, together we may be refreshed. Yeah, just like a mist of that cool water on a hot sunny day that I pray we have some more of. The mist refreshing the power of community. Isaiah 1 and verse 18 says, come, let us reason together. Coming together, gathering around Maybe a Bible study for strength and for supports together. Sharing the word of God. Learning what the Bible says and putting it into practice. The power of community. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 8 and 9 says, Together they shout for joy. Nothing like it, is it? Shouting for joy together. Nothing like it. Raising your hands together. Nothing like it. Doing this together this morning. Nothing like going to the left or going to the right. Hope we sing that song again. Nothing like doing it together. There's something about being built up and exhorted and singing and praising God together that you'll, you just can't replace it. Together they shout for joy. Burst into songs of joy. Together, Isaiah 53 and verse 9 says, the power of community. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, when you come together, or when you come together for everyone, there's a hymn, there's a song, there's an instruction, there's a revelation, there's a tongue, there's an interpretation. The reason is for the strengthening of the church. That someone might be built up when you gather together. Everyone has something and a word to share. That's the power of community. So we're saying this morning, just connect just connect. If you feel lonely, if you feel disconnected, if you feel discouraged, just connect. Did you know that you're as close to us as you want to be? 
We're as close to each other as we want to be. I'm as close to my wife as I want to be. I'm as close to my district as I want to be. And it's the same with you. You're as close to the congregation of Calvary Temple as you want to be. The power of community. I close with this. It was in, I was born and raised in a Christian home. Great heritage. Fell away in my younger years. But it was October of 1974 that I returned to the Lord. And since that time in 1974, there has been no more falling away. But for the next six months after Thanksgiving weekend in 1974, I was a wobbly Christian. I had a lot of changes to make in my life. I had some habits that had to be broken. I had some friendships that had to be separated from. I had some things I just knew was not godly, and so I got to change those. Now, it's hard to do it by yourself. Hard. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4 and verse 9, the two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity a man who falls and has no one to help him up. Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A quarter of three strands is not quickly broken. I had a friend named John. In fact, my friend John decided to give his life to the Lord in the same time I did in that hotel room in October 1974. So for the next six months, I was his support. And for the next six months, he was my support. And so when he felt like he was faltering, it felt like it was difficult, he'd say, Gary, I'm struggling in this area. We'd pray together. We'd support each other. I'd go to him and say, I I feel like I'm sinking in this area. And he would support me. We had each other. The power of community. And after six months, we became a little bit more stable, a little bit more stronger in the Lord. But we needed each other for the first six months. I'm saying that we all need community. When one falls, the other one is there to pick them up, to help them. Do you have a John in your life? Do you have a group? A small group that you're associated with? If not, sign up in the foyer this morning as you leave for a small group. Maybe you say, well, what I want to be part of is not there. Then start your own. It's a dangerous thing to call the church and say, there's no group for this. Because you are now the leader. Nothing like community. Nothing like community. If you're here this morning and you're lonely... Just connect. There's power when you connect. There's power in community. You're not good enough just to come in to church and attend a church. That won't meet all your needs. You've got to connect with the church. Get involved. Receive ministry or serve. But get involved. Stand with me.
God, we praise you and thank you for the body of Christ. It is found everywhere around this world. And God, I thank you for the power of community. That as we connect ourselves with each other, as we reach out our hand and grab a hold of somebody else's, Oh, God, I'm thankful for the hand that is there. I'm thankful for the community that can be built. Because, Lord, we, we, we just want to make it. We just want to make it. And God, for those that feel lonely today, maybe they have never verbalized it to anybody, kept it to themselves. A lot of us feel lonely. And that's an encouragement for us to step up and to get connected. But Lord, I pray for those that are experiencing that pain today. That you'd reach into their interior of their lives and to begin to put your finger on that area and to begin to tell them, here's what you've got to do. Here's what you have to do to build community. And then they'd step out of that and step out of their comfort zone and begin to move out and to get connected. To give you praise, Lord, for what you're about to do in this fall season of our church. It's going to be a season like we've never experienced before. Thank you, God, for bringing us together this morning. As we sing a concluding song, if you would like to receive ministry, just feel free to step under the aisle and down to the front of this church and as you come down here we will pray for you lift up your need before the Lord and as we sing prayer teams you can begin to come right now and just get ready to receive people and we'll pray for those that might be experiencing loneliness today you
God, I pray that as we continue this faith-based power adventure, that we would be empowered. And one of the items, one of the points that we want to drive home this morning is that there's power in community. How we need to just connect. Whatever that might be. It'll be different for all of us. But we all need to connect. And so God, I pray that as we go our ways this week, that we go refreshed because we've been together in the house of God. Bring us back next week, Lord. As we begin to talk about serving, just serve. Amen. Have a great week.